God, we, um, we thank you for the privilege, Lord, of, of being your children. Lord, and we thank you for the honor of being called one of your sons or one of your daughters. And God, we, uh, we have a loss for words when we're face to face with you, Father. And Lord, um, I pray that you would open our hearts, Lord. You would open our minds. Lord, you would, um, you would take over our lives. Lord, we would submit to your will. And we'd really understand what it means to be your child this morning. Lord, let us just rest in that. Rest in that place where we, we see you as our, our king and our God, our friend. Lord, we thank you for all that you've accomplished on the cross. Lord, we thank you for all you're doing in our lives, Lord. From the broken mess um, we were to what you're making us to be. God, we, uh, we acknowledge you this morning as the King and Lord of our lives. It's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, really I just have three questions today that I wanted to go through with you and uh, communicate with you. And, and basically the way I kind of, you can break the, your life into a, like a timeline, you know, and almost everybody in this room's experienced birth. I think there's one or two maybe that haven't experienced it yet, but so birth is the beginning, right, that we, that we can remember, or acknowledge, or someone can remember seeing you. So birth is the beginning of our timeline, and then we have a death at the end of our timeline. And in between those two points, there's a lot of things that happen, right? We have um, graduations and, and marriages and children and all kinds of good and also all kinds of bad. And, and depending on demographics or just whatever happens in your life some of us experience even more bad than good at times but that that in a whole we can look at our line as our life as a timeline and, and I'm going to put up a, uh, a stop or like a countdown clock and uh, and I want you to picture this countdown as the beginning to the end because that's exactly how we need to view our lives that that we have a beginning and we have an end now, depending on what you believe and who you believe, that's either a good thing or a bad thing. That's either really scary or it's actually really encouraging. Um, so we have this countdown in our lives, and if we would keep that in the front of our minds, that, that we are heading towards that end. Some of us um, probably are a little closer to the end, right? We... We can have evidence of that, right? We see that we, uh, we're getting gray hair and wrinkles, and you have physical evidence of these things happening, right? So you can kind of start to guesstimate where you are in the line. And if we picture um, ourselves in a huge line of everybody in the entire world and one huge line of people, you're in that line, and when you get to the end of the line, you go on the ride, Okay. And that ride is your last ride on this earth. The problem with the line is we have no clue where we're at in that line. We don't know if we're at the end of it <laughs> or we're at the beginning of it. We don't know if we're in the middle. Now, like I said, if you're getting older, you can start to kind of guess. You know, I'm getting towards the end of the line, right? 
but for the most of us, our, our, our uh, card can be punched at any moment. And, and I don't know about you, but that, that thought before I was a Christian used to terrify me. And I want to show a, a little video clip. And these are people who maybe they thought they were getting ready to get on the ride, but somehow they passed it up. I'll give a disclaimer. It's a little, uh, there's some scenes that are a little disturbing.
there at the end of the line, right? Somehow they escaped it, but honestly, that's any of us at any time. And the point isn't to scare you, but, it, you know, without Christ, honestly, it's a little scary because uh, not knowing what's going to happen is one of the most crippling thoughts I could have. Um, so, first question, what are you doing with your life? All right, and I think, like I said at the beginning, I think we get caught up in our schedules and we get caught up in things and we really forget what the point is here. So the first question is, what are you doing with your life? You know, life is a gift. We each have a certain time frame we're given, and that's it on this planet. Uh, most people at this planet, I'm convinced, walk around purposely oblivious to the fact that the clock is ticking on their life. They don't want to acknowledge it. They don't want to understand it. They don't want to think about it. They're just trying to get through it. And God's really the game changer in all this. He's the one that changes it all for us. He's the redeemer. And I know we pass through that church word like redeemer, but if you really think about redeemer, and you break it down to remedy, then he is the remedy for our sickness. That's the next part. We need to acknowledge that we're sick, that we're sinful, that we're born into sin, that it's my nature to sin. You know, and if you don't believe it, then have a baby for a little while. And, and if you watch a baby for a while, you can, th- you can say, well, they just cry because they're hungry or they're tired or something. That's not necessarily true. I remember Braden back there, and uh, he's just cry to cry, you know. I mean, and, and if you break it down to the core, it's disobedience, it's rebellion, even as a little baby, because you could peek his head, your head in his room, and he'd stop crying, he'd stand up and smile, and then as soon as you went away, he was crying again, right? So it, at the core of it, it, it's he wanted something, you know, that, that he wasn't allowed to have at the time. So even as babies, we're born into sin. And what Jesus did on the cross is so important. He came because we were sick. Even further than sick, we're, we're dead. Spiritually, we're dead. Um, and I know acknowledging the fact that you're sick is the first step in this. And for some of us, it's really hard to acknowledge the fact that we're sick. And I know I was sick a few weeks ago and Sherry kept telling me, I need to go to the doctor, I need to go to the doctor. And I was like, no, I'm fine, you know, I'm, I'm not sick, I'm all right. And, and I ended up being pretty sick, but for some of us, it's really hard to acknowledge the fact that we're weak and we're sick. So let's get back to you're dying physically. You know, at the, this is Google doctor, by the way. At the age of 25, your growth hormones stop. And basically from the, from the age of 25 on, you start to die. You just start to decay, right? And, and that's really evident, not so much when you're 26, 27, 28, but when you get into your mid-30s, you start feeling stuff that you didn't used to feel. Your bones start to hurt, your joints start to hurt. You start to, to do things you used to do and bounce right back from, and you don't really bounce back. Um, you can look around, and some of our hair falls out. Some of it turns gray. We get wrinkles. We, we start to get sick more often. We're weaker. We can feel the decay. 
And it's always blown my mind the ability of the lost or the world to totally deny this fact. They totally overlook it, and they don't even look at it like, like it's, it's happening. You know, and, and it's almost like we can take our minds and just totally freeze out the fact that death is on its way, and it's knocking on the door. It's 10 out of 10. It's got a pretty good record. Everybody in this room is going to experience it unless Jesus comes back now. So we're all dead, or we're all dying. And the other fact is that we're spiritually dead. Without Christ, we're spiritually dead. Um, and that's really evident. If you look at our world today, it's not hard to see that there's a lot of wicked things going on. The, the, the people who do not acknowledge Christ and live their life for Christ, it gets pretty nasty out there. Um, and that spiritual death took place in the Garden of Eden. And it's carried on. And you're born that way. And in Romans uh, 2.23, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of, the, of God's glorious standard. So in, think, in, case, in case you were thinking you were exempt, you're not. So basically we're all in the same boat. We're all spiritually dead. We're all incapable of redeeming ourselves or reviving ourselves. Um, some run in the opposite direction of God. Others run to Him. Um, we're hopeless to help ourselves. We can't. It's impossible. Um, there's really honestly only one way for help, and that's through Christ, through faith in Christ, and restore Him. Um, we see a great need for our Redeemer. We can begin to understand the, the need for His love. Um, if we really acknowledge the sickness we have, it, it's, uh, it's a slippery slope. You know, I, I had this, uh, I used to live out in Brown County, and we had this house way up on a hill. And we uh, got a big snowstorm, and then it iced on top of the snow. And I had to park my truck down at the bottom of the driveway. And so I got up about 5 in the morning, I was getting ready for work, I had my work boots on, had my lunch under my arm. And I started walking down the hill, and uh, those work boots turned into skis real quick. And I was getting concerned because I was getting a lot of speed, you know, like my hair was starting to blow. And I was like, this is bad, you know. I, I, so I had to make a decision to either keep going right into the road or just bail on it, you know. So I bailed on it. And I must have done 10 rolls, and my lunch was all over the yard. And that was a great way to start my day. But um, there was no stopping it once I got going. And that's like sin. Once we, once we start on that road, we can't just hit the brakes on it and decide we've had too much, and then we want to go back. Once we've started down that road, it's too late. Um, and what we need to understand about God is He doesn't just come in and he doesn't just fix the problems in our life, although he does. But that's not all he does. He breaks us down to our core. And he makes us brand new. He completely eliminates that old nature. And he gives us a new nature. That we don't want to do the things that we used to do. That we don't feel comfortable in the places we used to feel comfortable. We've been made new. I think we forget that fact. We forget that 
we are different. We are separate. We're set apart. We are his church. We're his people. And we've been made new. Through the blood of Christ, we're made new. So what are you doing? You know, sometimes I, I get defeated. I feel like um, there's not a good answer. There's not a good fix to my problem. And that couldn't be further from the truth. With Christ, there's always a fix. There's always an answer. There's never defeat. We win. We're on the winning team. It, it's, it's so silly when you get past a problem or when you're dealing with a problem to, to not acknowledge that God is on the throne, that God is in control, that God's capable of creating everything you see and God's capable of, of basically running the whole universe, that if he can take this planet and set it on a 23-degree axis and then make it spin, and that's something they still can't figure out, scientists, why it hasn't stopped spinning, because anything else, you put it in motion, and eventually it starts to slow down. Well, we're not slowing down. We keep spinning at the same rate we always have, and they can't, they can't figure that out. It's because God is the one on the throne, and God's the one running this universe. So why do we, in our times of trouble, or even the times where it gets mundane, sit back and act like God's not on the throne? And maybe God's not capable of fixing this. Or maybe we're even worried at a greater degree that we won't like the results God gives us. You know, maybe he's in control, but maybe I'm not going to like the way he steers this ship. We've got to remember, we're made new. We're different. We're set apart. Why don't we trust his plan in our life? He's good. He's trustworthy. If I've learned anything about God, it's that he is good. And he's trustworthy. So where's our joy as Christians? I know I get caught up in it as much as anybody else. And a lot of times you can't tell the difference between a Christian and someone who's not. And that just shouldn't be the case. We should be filled with joy. Now, is there times where something bad goes on, goes on and, and we're not real happy about it? Of course. I mean, we, we're not going to go around smiling like, like we're oblivious when something really bad's going on. That's not what I'm saying, but our joy. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is like I got my mail today and there was a, a $2,000 bill and I'm upset about it. And then the next minute I get a bill for, or I get a check for $2,500, and then now I'm happy. It, it's, it's volatile. It, it goes up and it goes down, and it goes with our circumstances. That's a lot different. Joy is an inner peace. It's, it's an understanding that God's got it all. That no matter what happens in my life, I don't have to worry about it. Because I know that 10,000 years from today, I'm still going to be around, and I'm going to be in heaven, and I'm going to be worshiping God on the throne. So when you have that perspective and that future, then why in the world would we let anything affect our joy and our peace? Because we know that God has got it. We have been made new. Um, all your sin, all your shame, all your guilt, all that can be gone. You know, I... Satan constantly comes back and reminds us of everything we've done wrong. And the silly thing about that is, that's all gone anyway. It's all been forgiven anyway. 
It's all been taken. When you accepted Christ, he covered it all. And we still like to go back to those things in our life, and we like to hold ourselves accountable for no reason. And it robs our joy, and it, and it, it, it misplaces our trust, and it, it tears us apart, and it's pointless. And I think we just got to get through our minds that it's all gone. That if God doesn't even acknowledge it, if God can't even see it through the blood of Christ, then why do I still acknowledge it? Basically, what you're doing when you do that is you're saying, I am the authority, and you're taking it from God. Because God's saying, I've forgiven it, and it's already gone, so let it go. So it comes back to trust. In Matthew 16, 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. I think that's part of the issue. Is we don't want to give up on the way we like to do things. And that's where we get our joy robbed. Because when we hand over to Christ all the issues and all the things that we're trying to handle, that's when we get peace. That's when we go, no matter the outcome, no matter what happens, no matter how bad the situation looks, I trust God all the way through. And no matter what happens with my life, whether I live, whether I die, whether this person does me wrong or does me right, it doesn't matter. Because I know my future. I know my hope. I know where my peace is. And it's with Christ. It takes, uh, in order to trust God, in order to follow God, if you're going to follow anyone, you have to trust them, right? We, we're not going to follow people we don't trust. We're not going to go into situations, you know, basically blindly, not, not knowing that that person has our best interest at heart. So I wanted to do a little exercise down here, and we'll see how this works out. I need my lovely assistance. You know who you are. Come on up. Yes, that's you. Come on. All right. We're going to do a little exercise here. I need a little crowd participation. Brent's going to be our first. You can stay down there. Here's your, here's your, uh, we're going to give one to Brent. You're going to be over there in the bucket. And you're next, all right? Brent, you got to go be behind the blue line over there, okay? All right. So Brent is going to represent the lost, okay? And he's the guy who is finding his self-worth. He's trying to figure life out, and he's trying to do it based on what the world tells him. Okay, and, and the world is going to basically, if you have a, a philosophy or a theory on life, there's a book written about it. So you could go all day with this. So what I need the crowd to do with Brent is he's going to be blindfolded, and he's going to get all of his advice on what to do throughout this course from you guys all at the same time. So I need everybody yelling instructions because that's what the world does. We get all kinds of instructions from everybody on how we should live our lives, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. All right, so you guys are all going to tell them all at the same time what to do. Okay, ready? And he's, he can't see. You can't see, right? Okay, so you got to tell him when to swing. Okay, let's go. Do it now. 
All right, all right, next obstacle. Tell them how to get to the next one. Help them out. <laughs> all right, he's almost there. All right, you got, a, you got a hula hoop. All right, pick it up. You got to do it. <laughs> All right, help him out. Help him out. He's got to get through the rope course here. Come on. All right, now he's got to get these bean bags down here. Yeah, there's a bucket. There you go. That was close. There you go. You're almost there. <laughs> All right, next obstacle. There we go. Keep going now. Oh. Okay. All right, you got to tell them how to dodge these, all right? All right, that's enough. That's enough. All right. Good job, Brent. All right, well, let's re reset this up here. Good job. All right, this time, we're going to do the same thing with, with Chris over there. But this time, we've just got, I don't know if that mic's on right there. We've just got one voice. Okay, we have one authority. We have one person who's going to instruct Chris how to get through this, and I'm hoping it goes a little better. All right, go ahead. He's supposed to go in here and then oh, that one. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Chris Lichten. Swing. Swing. All right, do it again. 
Give him a good pitch. <laughs> and we need a better one more time. Let's see if he can get it. All right, that's closer. All right, next obstacle. Now, hula hoop that thing. <laughs> Come on, make it happen. Walk back towards my boys. Turn face me. Come forward. 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 90 degrees to your left. Straight. Yep. Turn left. Walk forward. 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 Left. 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 Stop, turn right, walk forward, <laughs> forward, stop, bean bags are right next to your right foot, next to it, on the side, there you go, right there, one more, one more, one person, up some <laughs> <laughs> right there left left your other left your other left left <laughs> is this what I'm saying yeah right. Move right there you go right right there you go all right that's good good job Chris thank you all right, so obviously, we had a lot more success when we're being led and directed by one voice. And the point being that if we can eliminate what the world thinks, because the world's a mess, if we're honest. There's a thousand opinions on how we should live. And we can center in and focus in on one voice, a voice that we can trust, that we know is going to lead us straight and in the right direction. We have a lot more success in life. Uh, in John 10, 27 through 28, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them from me. That's powerful words. That's encouraging words. That's, that's all the reason in the world to have joy in our life, is that we can listen to God, that we can, we can He hears us, that, that when we hear him, we alter, you know? We, we don't have to go down the same path that we've been going down. We don't have to continue to follow the world's lead, that we have a leader, that we have a voice, 
that we have someone who is trustworthy and that's going to do what's best for us, that has our best interests at heart. But here's the thing, we have to pick a side. So many of us go back and forth and we take part of what God says and then we take part of the, what the world's philosophy is and we try to mix those two and we end up with too many voices. We got to sell out to that one voice. We have to trust that one voice. We have to eliminate all these distractions in our life and all the things that we think will make us happy and we have to rely and trust in the one who we know can make us happy, who we know can fulfill our joy, who we know can save us and give us that life that we, we've been longing for. So what's the point and the purpose of your life? I know purpose is something that at times can be elusive. Um, I think John Mellencamp said it, long, long after the thrill of living is gone. And, and when you're young, you think everything's exciting because it's the first time you've seen it, you know? And then after a while, it seems like things get duller <laughs> and less exciting or less purposeful because you've already done it. You've already been there. So what's the point? Many will say it's my family, that the point of life and the purpose of life is to be a good father, important, but that's not it. Some will say, uh, be a good person. What does that even mean? You're good according to who? You know, whose standard are you looking at? Because I can go to death row, and maybe I just have some felony charges, or maybe I just did this, or I just did that, or I just did this, and, and those people are going to go, he's a pretty good guy. You know what I mean? Or I can go to, I can surround myself with a group of friends that are a little mischievous or whatever, and they're going to go, yeah, he's a good guy. So the standard changes. We can go to the Middle East, and the standard changes. We can go anywhere in the world, and the standard changes for what is a good person. Because I hear people say this all the time, well, I'm a good person, and I pray sometimes, right? But that doesn't get it done either. God is the standard. He's the truth. And unless we're living according to that truth, all of our good deeds are pointless. We have to pick a side. Romans 3, 10 through 20, the scripture says, No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench of an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snakes' venom drip from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder, destruction, and misery. Always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can even ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us now how sinful we are. So there's no one without God who's righteous. There's no one who is a good person. There's not one. 
So we need to give up on that. Now, some people claim that the point and the purpose is to be successful. What does that mean? Well, the definition varies on that as well. Money is probably the number one answer, right? If you collect a bunch of paper that's green, you're successful. Uh, cars. Some, I mean, cars are great, money's great. All these things can be good in themselves, but if we're putting the whole point and the whole purpose on these things, then we're going to fall way short. Uh, sports achievements, right? If you're good at sports, if you do this or that, that, then that equals, you know, and we do that. We see that. If you're even a good actor, for some reason we put these people on a pedestal, you know, because they're good at one thing. That equals a good life, success. That, that equals a purpose and a point. Inventions, achievements, self-worth, as long as you love yourself, right? Basically, it's all garbage, and it all falls way short if we miss the point. We need to re-examine how we do things, what we do, why we do them. Are we just getting up every day and going to work so that we can live a comfortable life and die in our warm beds? What are we doing with our life? What is the point? And we do. We get caught in these ruts and these routines. And there's nothing wrong with working hard and getting up every day. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if that is our purpose and we've centered into, okay, I want to do this for this many years and then that for this many years and then I want to live here and there. And we're not really leaving much room for God to direct our path, are we? Because just like here, life is going to throw us a ton of obstacles. And we don't know what's coming. We're blind to what's coming. But unless we listen to that voice and we can alter. Now, it does no good to hear the voice and not listen to the voice. It's pointless. We're just going to keep running into the same wall we've always been running into. So that's why we got to give it up. we got to trust. 2 Timothy 4, 5 through 8. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work in telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, this is Paul, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to, this, to his appearing. So there it is. Life isn't about a routine. Life isn't about just getting through it. I don't think that when we come face to face with, with God, we can just look at him and go, I got through it. That's not what he wants. He's got a purpose and a plan for your life. He's got, he's got work for you to do here. And that's where we find that joy. That's when we find that fulfillment is when we dive into that work and we make life more than just a routine and just a checklist. So in order to do this, we have to make some changes in our life. For one, we need to know what the scripture says. It's hard to follow and it's hard to trust somebody if we don't know what they are all about. So we need to dive into his word. We need to hit studies up. We need to uh, hit BSF. What do we got to do to learn this word 
We've got to take it in. You can't just listen to me or my dad or anybody else up here. Do you know that, this is Google again, 10% of what I say today, you will retain. And I have this problem all the time because I get home from church and my dad goes, well, what'd you think of my message? And I go, uh, <laughs> it was good, <laughs> you know? And he goes, what's your favorite part? And I'm like, that part about God, that was good, you know? Like, so I only retain about 10% of what I'm hearing today. That's not very much. Now you retain 30% of what you read. If you read through a paragraph, you're going to retain about 30%. But what you commit to study, you retain 70% of that information. So until you take and make a change in your life and commit to the Word of God and commit to studying His Word, not much is going to change in your life. What is truth? That's my third and last question. We're going to watch a movie, or not a movie, a little clip about truth and uh, people in New York City on Times Square, what they believe truth is today. Hi, everyone. We're here at Times Square where we're going to be asking different people, what is truth? And what is the truth? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't really answer that. That one's another however you feel about it. What is truth? I don't know, whatever you can prove. I don't think there's any truth. Oh, that's a very good question. What is truth? I don't, truth is truth. Like, there's no, there's, there's truth is truth. Truth is truth. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! There is no universal truth. Truth is how you feel. To pray to Allah and, uh, and the, Allah will give us... Uh, truth is the absence of false. Truth is the Bible. Truth is love. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All right, so we see that truth is, to these people, in flux. It's kind of whatever you think it is, really. Whatever's true for you. But we know that's not it. See, if we really believe that we are created beings, all right, that's the first step. Am I created? All right, once you acknowledge am I creator, then who is my creator? And we look to the Bible, and we can, we can back the Bible up with history, and we can, we can really start to study it and see how all these, um, all these things come together in the Bible when we see the truth of it, and we see that it's not evil, and it's not wicked, but it's good and true and, and holy. Once we acknowledge Christ is truth, once we understand that we are created, then we have to understand that that creator cares for us. That creator loves you more than anything. In fact, that creator loved you enough to, to come out of his glory and strap on human skin. And not only just human skin, but he was born into poverty, born in a manger, and he came down with his life being threatened. He lived 33 years, and he took the worst beating you could imagine for you. Now that's love. And, and he did it while we sped in his face. And they nailed him to that cross and he bled out his blood for us. Now that's love. Now if someone loves you that much and someone created you, doesn't it make sense that we turn to them for truth? 
So our truth, unlike the world, is defined by our creator. And the good news about that is our creator is loving, trustworthy, graceful. He's full of mercy. Um, This is not a new question. What is truth? Man has been asking this question for a long time. And we're going to play one more clip, and this is, about, uh, this is from the Passion of the Christ. And, and this happened, this is a biblical account, and, and uh, Jesus was in front of Pontius Pilate. And, and basically, this question came up. So there you have it. People in Jesus' time were seeking truth. And that's why I'm telling you that we should be bold with our faith. We shouldn't be ashamed of it. We shouldn't act like that people don't want to hear it because I believe people want to hear truth. What they don't want to see is hypocrisy. What they don't want to see is Christians who 
who come out and don't study the word, who don't know the word, who mix the world with Christ. They want truth. And we contain it. We have it. It's right in our fingertips. In John 14, 6, Jesus states, I, <clears throat> Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So we have truth. We know this. The problem with making up our own truth is, it's, if I go buy a car, and I'm convinced that car that I just bought is a plane, okay, that's my truth. I believe it. You know, I'm convinced, and what I do with that car is I, everybody's telling me it's, a, it's a, not a plane, it's a car, but I'm convinced that the truth is it's a plane. And if I drive that plane off a cliff, convinced it's going to fly, I'm going to crash and burn. I had a false truth. I've convinced myself of a false truth. And that's exactly what the world does, is they convince that their self that life is all about these other things we've listed. And that the purpose and the point of life is about all these other things. And it doesn't matter that they're tr they were convinced of their truth. They still crash and burn. And if you keep doing that with your life, and you're constantly convinced something is the right way, and then you go all in for it, and you end up in the ditch, and you end up crashing and burning, then maybe it's time to examine this truth. So I guess in, my point is, the purpose of your life is to proclaim that truth, to live that truth, to be that truth. And in closing, uh, life's very short. You know, you can ask anybody. I mean, even ask me. I, I'm almost 40. I, my life's pretty much half over. <laughs> it doesn't seem possible. And the older I get, the faster it seems to go. And, and you ask anybody over the age of 50, 60, 70 years old, and they're going to tell you the same thing. Life was so fast. It went, lot, went by like a blink. My kids were just in elementary school the other day, and now they're having their own kids. And life flies by, and we have a window, we have an opportunity to, to take up truth and a purpose. And before we know it, everybody in this room is going to be face-to-face -face with your Creator, with the Almighty God on His throne. And I don't know about you, but when I face God, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear, uh, what was that? <laughs> what was that? That was a mess. And I have no part of you. I don't want a part of you. This, this isn't what I'm about. I want an embrace from God. And we have a small window to get focused here and to live out the purpose we have on this planet. We all need to get really serious about living for Christ and start trusting Him through all these hard times, all these, all these things we deal with in our life and, and stop listening to the noise of this world. Just focus in on the cross. I'm convinced... Uh, The biggest struggle we have in life is to remain focused. 
I struggle with it all the time. It's like I get on fire and I'm, I'm, I'm right with God. We're step in step. We're hand in hand. And then, you know, all I got to do is focus on him and follow him step for step. But for some reason, I get distracted and I start looking at flashing lights or whatever. And before you know it, I'm doing crisscrosses, you know, and my life's a mess. And maybe I'm the only one, but I'm thinking focus is the hardest thing to maintain through this life. We get distracted really easy. Um, we got to wake up every day and recenter. This is an everyday thing where we wake up and we connect with God and we pour ourselves out and we say, okay, God, what do you want from me today? You know, what, what is it you have for me today? Let's stop acting like the rest of the world, honestly. We have the remedy. We have the cure you know, the biggest tragedy in life would be to go all the way through it and not really experience life. You know, that joy and that peace. That's what we're going to do for eternity is, is live in that peace and that joy and the security of Christ. But we, we fail to recognize so often that we already have it. We don't have to wait until we die to get it. Is there still tragedy and hard things? Yes, but that doesn't have to define us. We have it right now. We have that peace. He's offering it to you right now. So don't go through this life and never really live. Um, the good news is, doesn't matter how far you've strayed. Doesn't matter how, how long you've been out of focus. It doesn't matter if you've ever had that focus. With the mercy and grace of God, you can change it today. You can surrender today, whether you're surrendering for the first time or whether you want to re-surrender or whether it's just focusing in on what you're, you know you're supposed to be doing. With God, that opportunity is right here. And all it takes is a prayer and a heartfelt prayer and a change in your life. And you can have that. So can you answer these three questions now? What are you doing with your life What's the point and the purpose of your life? And what is truth? I hope so. Um, I wanted to leave you with this. This is a glimpse in Revelation 21. This is a glimpse of our future, of where we're going, of what's happening right now. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are in the temple, are its temple. And the city would, had no need for sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminated the city and the lamps in its light. The nations will walk in its light and the king of the world will enter the city in all the days because there is no night there and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter nor anyone who practices shameful adultery or dishonesty but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me a river with water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side, the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 fruits, crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used as medicine for healing of the nations. No longer will it be a curse upon anything. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there. 
and his servants will worship him. That's us. And they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them. And they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, Everyone, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God, who has inspired his prophets, has sent his angel to tell this servant what has happened soon. Look, I am coming soon. And blessed are those who obey the word of the prophecy written in this book. And blessed are those who follow the word of God. There's a point and there's a purpose. And I would encourage you guys to run this race because it's coming soon. That moment where we're going to be face to face with God and there's going to be a sea of people falling down to worship this Lord. So today's the day. If, if you're not studying, if you're not learning about God the way you should, let's change that today. The tables are open. You're welcome to come forward. And let's close in prayer. Lord, God, we thank you. Lord, we're a mess, honestly. And really, our only hope is in you. Our only re redemption is found in you. Lord, none of us deserve your glory. None of us deserve forgiveness. Lord, through your Son, it's offered. So Lord, help us to be the church that makes you proud. Lord, help us to be the people who aren't torn between this world. Lord, seal in our minds our hope and our futures that we know 10,000 years from now we'll still be amazed at the sight of your throne. Lord, focus us in now. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.